Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. There is so much going on in my life, people. I'm getting, I'm rearing, rearing hot and heavy, steaming. It's prep time. I'm getting everything ready to get the heck out of here. I've heard the last bits of information I needed from the uh, all the stuff I'm doing. So I'm still on track to get out of here in January, which is exciting. Uh, of course, there's a lot to do. And I had forgotten when I did this move before, which was to come to Nevada, I had built a checklist and I can pretty much copy the checklist to keep myself on track. Well, I started doing some of the stuff and the USPS move um, where you do a change of address that website's broken is all get out. It doesn't work anywhere near like it used to. So now I got to waste time fighting that garbage because I need to get that done because it takes me like a week to start it. So I need to get it done early and I'm going to have it redirected to my mail. I have a mail provider out in Florida. So I'm going to get that done early. According to everything I see, the car's good. They jacked my, they jacked the down payment out of the account. So as far as I'm concerned, they got paid and the lady said everything was on track as long as the money was there. So that seems like the car's done. And then I went and I, on social media, I did an update. You know, some people don't understand, but I went and got some cash out of the ATM because every time I travel, I like to have cash on hand just in case. And I can't express, and I don't think the young people really understand or appreciate just how much superiority there is to holding a stack of cash. Like people saying, oh, just use check card deep, deep. No, screw that. I'm sorry. The, the, the touch, the feel, I don't smell it anymore. I have to do my treatments, but the touch and the feel of cash in your hand is underrated and understated. It cannot be compared to anything else. I'm sorry. It just, it's a powerful thing, especially now with cryptocurrency and this idea that big players, big, and I'll be talking about this a little bit, big players control some of these assets, holding cash again, which I hadn't done in a while because I didn't need to, but holding cash again, there's just something to it. To the point, I was really strongly tempted, and I might still do, to just pull out a whole bunch of, like, we're talking five figures worth of cash, and then put it, I have one of these, Um, it's a safe, but it doesn't look like a safe. 
do that and just toss some cash in there just in case the apocalypse or whatever hits. And you're like, is he Tim Fall going crazy? No, it's because I don't know what's going to happen, man, with, with money and assets and banking and crypto and bank shutdowns and the new spending bill. I don't know if you guys read about that. There's a lot happening. So it makes me a little bit less confident in electronic means of payment and more confident in cash, cold, hard cash. I haven't committed that decision, but something I want to think of. And I guess I can spoil it now, and then I'll get into our updates today. So the vehicle I got, right, it's a Cadillac SRX, and I don't, it's an SUV, which I don't like SUVs, but here it made sense because I'm going to be moving, and I can ship more stuff up as I drive. But it's a Cadillac SRS. It's actually really nice looking, has like 20,000 lower miles than it's supposed to for the year. So then I got a, a detailer that's going to, he's on schedule for the fourth, I believe it is, to just do a detailed job in case it shows up jacked up. The car is being delivered uh, to my place. So there's that. I've not done that before. This is the first time I've done the delivery service. I used to live in San Diego. San Diego actually has a, it, it's like a tourist stop, but you know, it's called the National City Mile of Cars. I think it's still going out there. And it's this whole, it's like a mile long, literally part of this street. I forget the name of it, but the street, there's nothing but car dealerships on this road, National City Mile of Cars. And that's where I would go anytime I needed to buy a car. It was down there because you could always get pretty much whatever you wanted. Selection was always up top. That's where I got that terrible Nissan Mustang back in the 90s. So, But out here in Nevada, it's like a joke. Like all the inventory is crap. Mostly people trade in their car after they've gotten like an accident. Everybody's got like four owners to them and Nobody knows how to do maintenance. Like when I had my Ford Fusion, which was before this one, you know, I would get the highest level, highest quality oil, highest quality air filter, highest quality oil filter. I would do it on a more frequent basis than probably needed. And I never had any major issues with my car. When I had a Geostorm, this was ages ago, I had that car running smooth, even to the point that when I had a spark plug issue, it still drove and got me to work because I take care of my cars. I sold that car to my brother's, uh, my friend's brother, younger brother. He jacked it up in like two months. So I already knew, okay, these older cars, as long as it's been reasonably taken care of, it's probably not a big deal. So this one's used, so I'm taking a risk, but I'm going to take it down to the local Cadillac dealership and just have them do a once over before I go up the way I want it done. You know, fresh, all this, the, the place I'm buying it, they claim they do all that, but I don't know that I trust it. Plus, I don't know if there's lingering issues claim to do an analysis and an inspection. I don't know. I trust it. So I'm going to do my own thing. Then I've got the cash ready to go. I've got the hotel booked for up there and uh, we're on route for the, the weekend, basically the seventh and I'll be on the road that Friday. So I don't plan to be back. So I'm already packing all my stuff, getting boxed up. Plus I have a bunch of new furniture I've purchased carpeting and everything else. And it's all sitting out in the garage, ready to get shipped up there. So I'm pretty committed. Um, I was talking to my Endeavor, letting them know, I'm, looks like I'm on deck here. So now I just got to bide my time and hopefully everything turns out good. Let's get into some cryptocurrency, shall we? Because we got a couple of things that I think are of interest to everybody listening. Prices are looking a lot better, ladies and gentlemen. We're starting to see less of the dire predictions and more strong predictions. In fact, the strength of the predictions doubled from the last time I talked to you guys. There's still a bear sentiment. However, the projections for 2023 are starting to look up. I think a couple of things are playing into factor with this. Number one, there were some jobs reports numbers that seem to cause some positive trends. 
There also was the stock. Stock seems to be up every little slightly. And then the spending bill that was recently passed. Spending bill doesn't really affect you or I, but what it does is it averts a government shutdown. And when you avert a government shutdown, it seems to create a bullish sentiment, at least a little bit. So I'm seeing pretty good in Q1 for now. <laughs> of course, that could change between now and January. But for right now, I see everything's looking really good. I see that the the whole quarter actually looks really, really good. And it might be a good opportunity for anybody who wants to get into Bitcoin to buy in. This basically means that we will be near the lowest price point possible for a very long time. And we're headed upward. Let's hope that I'm getting this right now, um, that we're now on our upward trend as opposed to the constant downward pressure that we were seeing before. And as I said, because Bitcoin's kind of in this waiver point, but going up, ever, uh, excuse me, Ethereum seems to have more of a bullish pattern or trend, even though the graph movement is identical, seems like Ethereum is on more of a run than what Bitcoin's doing. This is never more true than the projections of the chart where I see Bitcoin's going to, or excuse me, Ethereum rather, is going to look really, really good in 2023, pretty much the span of 2023, barring some unforeseen event again happening. Ethereum's going to look really good to the point that people are estimating that Ethereum in late 2023 might actually surpass its all-time high. Its all-time high was $4,800. People are speculating it could go even higher and actually continue a strong run upward, more so than Bitcoin. Bitcoin is expected to recoup some of its losses over the past year, but nowhere near the percentage of gain that we're seeing on the Ethereum side. So that's great if it turns out being true. We just have to see if there's any sort of, any sort of, I guess, incident, right, that gets in the way of this predictions that everybody's seeing. No matter what, I want to make sure everybody listening to me is smart with their investment strategy. If you believe in cryptocurrency, make sure that you're taking care of your people first. Make sure you don't YOLO in anything. And as I've said, the core coins can never steer you wrong. And I've always maintained this. We are still positive. And my bet still is out there. If, if Ethereum goes beneath 900, I do live karaoke on the YouTube channel. Somebody out there wants to deprive my listeners of the ability to hear me do live karaoke on the YouTube channel. And I don't know if I should apologize or not. Frankly, I, it feels like a Pyrrhic, you know, victory. I, I always look forward to entertaining my, my listeners. And I was really looking forward to it. But something, somewhere, someone does not want you to hear the live karaoke. So I'm not going to apologize. I'll just say that's what it looks like right now is once again, you know, could I get my credit? But once again, Leister was when he said, I don't see Ethereum going too far beneath a thousand dollars. At the end of the day, it, it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not Nostradamus. I'm not clairvoyant. Some things just are, and I'm, I'm proud of this. But again, I do feel for anybody that was looking forward to hearing that, that darn karaoke. The British Columbia, British Columbia has recently halted power connections for cryptocurrency mining. Well, you ask, you're asking why? Well, they claim it's for clean energy. They claim it's for job creation. Isn't that ironic? Because I said before, cryptocurrency mining has the opportunity to create jobs, has the opportunity to actually improve the economy because of the bills and the taxes and everything else. Well, the utility provider out there has basically said, you know, we're going to cut off any connection requests that are coming from cryptocurrency miners. I'm going to do this for a year and a half. And you're wondering how can they know? If you didn't understand, the, the utility companies know what is consuming energy because of the level of consumption and how it's calculated according to what they, a pattern. So they can tell if it's like a, 
refrigerator or it's a plugged in, you know, electric vehicle or it's your air conditioning or it's your appliances, your washer dryer. They can tell because these appliances are expected to consume a certain amount of energy as they're running and then as they're in a idle state. So they use the metrics to understand when I see this type of energy consumption, it's got to be this type of appliance and they're pretty darn accurate with it. So they know if you're mining in your house. Now, here's the catch. With something like this, them saying it's going to create jobs, we all know that's a joke. We all know that's a laugh. But they gave some quotes to back up what they were saying. Quote, cryptocurrency mining consumes massive amounts of electricity to run and cool banks of high-power computers 24-7-365 while creating very few jobs in the local economy. Let's break that down. Number one, is it true that cryptocurrency mining consumes massive amounts of electricity? Depending on the way you're mining, yes. If you're using ASIC miners, absolutely. Quote, cool banks of high-power computers 24-7, 365, that's likely going to be ASIC miners. So what happens is they'll have a bunch of ASIC miners. They're all on these data racks in some warehouse or something. Those are all consuming electricity. Then you got the cooling apparatus, and that's designed to keep everything cool because these miners generate a lot of heat. So the cooling is really probably the big heartburn for a lot of these electric companies. It's not even the miner themselves, although the ASIC miners are very energy hungry. I guarantee you the combination of the cooling plus the ASIC miners is really what they're balking at. So if people were to get brilliantly wise about this somehow and say, let's build an open top something because heat rises, right? And then you build it to where the heat is simply naturally allowed to vent out. So you're not using cooling as in some blowing cool air on something. You're using basically evacuation of heat using an exhaust type system, which is what they'll do if there's odors or smoke or smog or something. But here, do it for heat. Obviously, it's not going to work as fast or as efficient, but that would probably cut, I'd argue, about, probably about a third of the electric use. But they don't want to do that because it takes longer, and, of course, it's not going to be as effective, and your miners, they're not able to run as efficiently. So they know what they're doing. So the electric companies basically saying, all right, well, screw you. We're just going to cut this down and do what we're going to do to try to, quote, conserve energy. And then they say, quote, creating a few jobs in the local economy. They're just not creating the kind of jobs that they want to see, but guarantee you got jobs because you've got the people who do the wiring. You got people who monitor. You got the installers, right? You got support. You got security. There's all sorts of people that have to keep this thing running. So I'm pretty sure that the jobs are created, but not to the degree that they want to see. And consider this. Somebody has to pay that utility bill. So they're actually going to lose revenue, which means they're going to lose tax dollars. It's up to them. It's their deal, whatever it is. This is fresh off, of course, New York. They basically blocked proof-of-work mining, being the only state right now that I can think of that has done so, blocking proof-of-work mining because of energy uses, do, do, do. and it's just an infectious plague that continues. FTX and Alameda Research, a.k.a. the hedge fund for Poof Hair. Now, Poof Hair, of course, he was put in custody, being extradited to the United States. He's in FBI custody as we speak. He did not fight. He did not argue. Who poof hair, of course, he does suffer from depression, insomnia, and ADD, and takes medications for this. People suspect that he's not going to get off soft, and they're going to really throw the book at him as basically the next Madoff. But people were wondering, well, what about his ex-girlfriend, Caroline Ellison, the, you know, the Bonnie to the Bonnie and Clyde? Well, Caroline Ellison, CEO of Alameda Research, was hit with some additional fraud charges. I'm going to be talking about something different on this, but just for right now, 
She was hit for some additional fraud charges as well as Gary Wang. Gary Wang, I believe, was a CFO in FTX. He was he was one of the high levels on FTX. And what they're doing, everybody's going after these, these two. The SEC is going after them. The CFTC is going after them. Individuals are going after them. Everybody's going after them trying to get some money and and the fraud that they believe fraud was committed. Everything's kind of coming down on them. And the expectation is that poof hair is going to basically take the fall. And this goes to my next update, which is that Caroline Ellison took a plea deal so that she did spend 110 years in jail, possibly going to be allowed to be out on bail, $250,000, but be, you know, won't be allowed to leave the United States. So basically she'll have her passport taken as a flight risk. But ultimately the, the expectation is she's going to get this plea deal, this cushy deal, and she'll be out, whereas Poof Hare will take the fall and she'll be expected to testify against him. Because of course, our government system, anytime there's a Bonnie and Clyde situation, they're going to go after the male and they're going to make the male be the fall and the girl gets off scot-free. Remember, we've had women who arguably killed their own kid and they got off pretty much that and they didn't get punished. They got off. We uh, The Noxima skin girl, Rebecca Gayhart, she killed kids in her car. She got off scot-free. It happens. When it's a female, they get off. When it's a male, they get the book thrown at them. So right now, FTX is expected to get hard time plus all the compensation, everything else, whereas she's going to get off scot-free and that's a crying shame. Now, are you aware of what's going on in the world of bank accounts and Bitcoin and freezes? Oh my, something happened recently and I'm going to talk about why this is possibly, don't take it as over extreme, but possibly What's going on? And if you heard my preface there, and hopefully you did listen to it because it ties to this, it was relevant. And I said, I was taking cash out of the bank. I said that the feeling of cash cannot be understated and that it's underrated. And that at some point later, people who are screaming about check cards will learn a hard lesson. That goes to my update right now. Apparently, and I don't know the full on deal, but apparently what happened is this person had a bank account that got frozen. When your bank account gets frozen, you can't make any withdrawals. And if you try to use your, your ATM card, the check card, as they call it, at an ATM, it'll actually, quote, eat your card and not give it back to you, especially if it's the kind that slides all the way in. It'll just not get it back to you. When I was a kid, that actually happened to me, too. It, I, was, I remember it was late night. It was like 10 o'clock. And I was trying to get some cash out. I slide the card into the machine. It goes, you know, and then I'm doing the deal. I enter the pin, and it's like, an error or something else happened and it wouldn't give me the car back. And then later I would learn, yeah, we took your car deep, deep, deep. So I was hesitant to go back into banks after that happened after this fiasco. So they can absolutely do this. That's the risk of doing this. If you were to go into a bank, then they'll just deny your transaction, but you might get arrested depending on what's going on. Well, this person, he goes by the pseudonym of SVN, the three letters, SVN. Basically what he said was, you know what? I changed all my stuff over. And I've told everything to give me Bitcoin. Now, I'm going to get to why he's kind of an idiot here in a second. But I'm going to change everything to Bitcoin. So now he gets paid. Everything is paid to him in Bitcoin, all of it. And he said it was because one of his accounts got frozen by the bank. And so he used the Bitcoin to change his direct deposit over to Bitcoin in order to basically deal with it because he had to to get money, right? So when your account's frozen, you can't pay your bills, you can't pay your rent. So he decided to switch it over to do this as part of a, quote, unbanking move. 
again, I'll get to why I think he's an idiot here in a second, but quote, everyone kept saying that it's the best form of money in the world. All I knew were hodlers. I had to see for myself and come to my own conclusion. So this person was not in cryptocurrency prior to this happening. Now, it's not unheard of to survive on cryptocurrency. I'll tell you a story. I survived on cryptocurrency pretty much the vast span of 2021. Not all, but a lot. You know, I was surviving on cryptocurrency, so it can be done. It's a bit, a bit tricky, a bit painful. And in my case, I was mining it. But in his case, he decided to do direct deposit. Now, here's why he's kind of an idiot. What he said was, and I'm, I'm quoting directly from a tweet that he did, quote, took my entire salary in Bitcoin this year, 100% net wage paid biweekly. Started off with Coinbase direct deposit, migrated to BitWage, Cash App, then got the company to pay me directly. So he's using these third-party services. So when people say, yeah, I took my salary in Bitcoin, they have to use a third-party service in order to receive the funds, and then the funds are basically purchases the crypto on your behalf. The problem is that like with Coinbase, for example, Coinbase can freeze your account all they care to. I haven't used BitWage, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have something that can freeze your assets. Cash App can absolutely freeze your assets and absolutely happily will. The reason is because in Patriot Act, which is one of the laws, there are guidelines as well as other ones. Um, I forget the specific one off top of head, but there's specific ones that are around banks and what they're trying to do where they see what they think are fraudulent or potentially fraudulent or malicious activities. They have rights to freeze your funds and not allow access to them until it's resolved. Well, they don't have to give you access to your money. Even if you did nothing more than deposit a check. Really, if we think about what a check is, a check is a promise that I'm going to pay you something. It doesn't guarantee it's going to pay you. It's a promise that they will pay you at some point in a distant future. Well, if you put a check in there, they most banks will tell you, yeah, we'll release the first 200. Do, do, do. Could be a $50,000 check. They can hold that bad boy for up to 14 days before they give it back to you. And that's assuming that they don't find some other thing that they're going to squawk about. So all these freezes and locks are not specific to the banks. It happens all these other crypto type services as well, where they can lock down your account freeze. Even the CEO of Coinbase said, if we file bankruptcy, you lose your money. Deep, deep, deep. So I'm not criticizing what he had to do to make his thing whole. But if SVN were listening to me at rare passenger on Twitter, I would have told SVN, a better way to handle this would be stop going against the physical banks. Stop going against the Chase, the Wells Fargo, the Bank of America. They're the ones that are going to rip you to heck off because they can. You want to go, if you're going to do banking, use one of the services that doesn't rely on that garbage and they don't need the physical presence. They still have the risk of freeze, but it's less likely to happen. So let's say Green Dot, for example. Green Dot is very unlikely to freeze your assets. Are they crap? To some degree, yes, but you can get your direct deposit. That gets you to where you can at least pay your bills until whatever gets resolved with your bank. I would never tell somebody to take your entire salary in Bitcoin because all you're really doing is what is essentially throwing your money away. Because if you're spending it, which is probably what he was doing, you're losing out on the opportunity of growth that might happen, number one. Number two, you're risking that your stuff gets completely frozen and then you're absolutely screwed. It's up to him what he does with his money. I'm saying that if the problem, so let's talk about the problem. The problem is his bank gets frozen. He can't access the money he needs to support his livelihood. I would have simply gone and realized that his bank sucks probably and go to a better bank, in my opinion. If he's going to do it because he wants to build up the stakes. So like, for example, I have 
a, a small portion of money going into my Coinbase account now. I didn't have it before, but I just set it up last week. So as of tomorrow, I should have some money deposited in there. And then every week it'll just deposit and I'll just sit on it. And that's mostly to capitalize on what I see of Bitcoin. It's out of sight, out of mind. But I also use that card for online expenses for fraud prevention purposes. So there's that, sure, but I'm not going out there and actively spending cryptocurrency just because. The only reason I even do it is because at this point, it's highly risky to buy anything online. And I've learned that lesson. So I am not telling anybody what to do with their cash. I also will say for SVN, though, be aware of what the tax implications are of what you've done. Because remember, your salary is taxed up front, but you're also purchasing cryptocurrency. As you purchase cryptocurrency, you might get hit with the tax again. So I strongly recommend SVN, if you're listening, that you consult a tax professional about your decision and make sure that you're not putting yourself in a hole that you're not going to be able to climb back out of. Oh, man, I want to talk really briefly about FTX and poof hair a little bit more because I think this part's important. I just talked about taxes and tax implications and what might happen to people and et cetera. If you were in FTX, if you had any money in any stake in it whatsoever, it's important you also talk to a tax professional once they figure out what's going to happen with the legal case. The strong theory of the legal case, and I'm only stating it as a theory. I'm not a legal expert. The strong theory behind the legal case is that no matter what, it's going to result as being called a Ponzi scheme because of the nature of how money was being basically borrowed between different things to keep things running. And without one, the whole house of cards falls. So the theory is it's going to be classified as a Ponzi scheme. When you have something where you have a great loss and you can prove it through something that is outside of your control. So fraud, right. Or Ponzi scheme. What happens is there's a classification. It's called capital loss or theft loss. These are categories that can be used to offset tax debt. So basically, let's say that you had 10,000 bucks that you had in it and the $10,000 came from the salary that you had. So you lose it all. Well, you got taxed on that money when you received it, presumably. If so, if you now lost it through no fault of your own, as in theft loss or capital loss, again, no fault of your own. That's the key. There's a classification, if this all passes, that is, where you can then claim it as a theft loss. And if you claim it as a theft loss, it becomes a deduction. So be sure to talk to a tax expert. If you were in FTX, talk to a tax expert, stay in regular contact with your tax expert, make sure that they're aware of the situation ongoing, make sure they have eyes on the prize. And that as we get closer to tax season, which by the way, folks is four months away, that you're always staying on top of that because I wouldn't want people to think that they're at a risk of losing money if they're not because of, whatever this turns out being. I was never an FTX. I didn't trust it, but I suspect there's at least one person listening that might've been, and I want to make sure you are talking to tax experts about your situation. It's not one of those questions that shows up in like H&R Block, you know, self-filing. It's not one of those. You'd have to talk to a specialist to just prompt and say, this is a situation. I want to understand what my possible options are when I go to file my taxes and somebody will be sure to be able to assist you. The final update on FTX, of course, is FTX has resumed paying their staff and contractors. These people were holding off. And you're wondering, well, how the heck are they paying people? Here's the truth. Money was always there. They always had reserves sitting there. What was happening is they didn't have enough to pay everybody. 
and they had to put it on hold until they figured out what was going on and why they were insolvent. And so that included stopping all the salary payments. So this will not include all of the C levels that basically were part of this, whatever it was. So the C, you know, poof hair, he's not getting any money. Former people that are fired, they're not getting any money. Caroline Ellison, that's the CEO of Alameda, she's not getting any money. Everything else is going to be normal, so they're going to continue cash payments to people that were applicable, salaries to people that were applicable, benefits to people that were applicable. This came from the new CEO, and it came as part of the bankruptcy process that they're going through. So for those that aren't familiar with this, when you go through the bankruptcy process for a business, especially one of this size, the first thing they're trying to understand is all the assets and liabilities that are out there. Who do you owe? Why do you owe it? What do you have that you need to pay? So you got vendors you got to pay, you got employees you got to pay, staff you got to pay, and you have to make a case as business. You have to make a case for why you have to, you don't have enough to do this over here, but you have this over here that you want to be able to pay, but you need the judge to basically say, yes, go ahead and do that as part of the reorganization. That's why they call it reorganization is they want to try to reorganize the debt in a way that allows you to continue operations at bare minimum. This doesn't mean that they're going to continue doing everything in perpetuity. What it at least means is that people will, that were held up, because remember, these are working people that were working there that weren't getting paid for the longest time as part of this. Some people might say, well, they shouldn't get paid. I want to counter this a little bit. Understand that you do likely have some greedy people who are part of this joke, but you also have people that didn't know. You have people who were not in the know. Yeah, people had no idea what was going on and they just were coming to work thinking everything was fine and you can't ever know. And that's part of the reason why transparency in business is so important. If your C-level is just off in the, in the woods, not talking to everybody, you have no idea if they're doing something that's going to put you at risk. Wells Fargo had the same situation. When Wells Fargo was found basically cramming people's accounts down their throats, no, the, the, the line staff didn't know. They didn't know. They were following orders from upstream thinking that everything's fine. When the truth is the leadership was putting these people at risk. And then there was a period of time people weren't getting paid. It happens. You get these shady executives. And here's the truth. These executives only get their job because they have some Harvard degree or some Stanford degree or some Yale degree. And that somehow auto qualifies them to be this high level leader. And then what happens? They basically scan the business because they get a windfall, and then they get a golden parachute. Poof hair is not getting a parachute. Caroline's not getting a parachute. But what is happening, at least here, it was early enough in the process that we were able to identify that people were being ripped off and that we need to do something different. And hopefully, and I cross fingers for the, everybody involved, hopefully this means that they will be able to make people whole. Quote from the CEO, we recognize the hardship imposed by the temporary interruption in these payments and thank all of our valuable employees and partners for their support. So here's where we are with FTX. They're still a running company, but they're insolvent. They're insolvent because there's people that they owe a lot of money, but at the same time, they're, they're trying to make something right. Whether they're going to be able to is unknown. Whether they're going to be able to make people whole is unknown. And everybody at the upper leadership of this business is being attacked on all sides by various lawsuits, fraud included, and Caroline is likely to walk away with a slap on the wrist while Poof Hair is going to spend time in prison. I saw a tweet who said, I think it was on CoinMarketCap, and he said something, to, I paraphrase, something to, along the vein of he's going to learn a different form of pump and dump when he's in the prison with Big Bubba. That's, 
that's what his future is. And I know some people are like, well, he deserves it. I'm not going to agree or disagree. I will say, I think it's unfair if Caroline gets off scot-free because she was just as culpable. In fact, let's be honest. Alameda was primarily the reason why this went south. She, she was CEO. She's at the head of it. So I don't think it's fair if he takes the fall and she gets off scot-free. Time will tell if that happens or she gets caught up on something else. Hopefully she does so that everybody is punished that was involved in this business. The last thing I'll mention for everybody in, in this whole loop, as cryptocurrency appears to be somewhat recovering, I'm going to repeat myself again. Do not be tempted by FOMO. Try to fight it. Try to fight it and understand just trade smart. Trade smart, make sure your people are taken care of first. Don't get caught up in this garbage because sometimes it's a trap. Sometimes even what we see could very well be a trap. So it's okay if you want to invest. That's up to you. If you do, make sure it's throwaway money, money you can afford to lose, even temporarily or permanently. Make sure it's money you can afford to lose. But no matter what, make sure your people are taken care of first and foremost. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that say the word Keck. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.